0: Welcome to Building Great Sales Teams, a show dedicated to making sales teams tick, tick, boom. Great sales teams are not recruited, they are built block by block.
1: Let's get to work. All right, guys. I'm super excited today. I've got John Hiley on the podcast. Uh, to me, he's an amazing husband, father. And one of my favorite things about him is when you look at him, he just looks dangerous. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he's a big dude. Tattoos everywhere. But uh, probably one of the smartest business, businessmen that I know. He holds, holds a licensing deal for an automotive tool. Uh, he's branded himself as the marketing savage. He's the website king, a CRM builder, an amazing copywriter, and uh, he also has the Marketing Revolution podcast, as well as uh, Savage Sundays. Every Sundays, he's given us the word on on Sundays in, in his version. And one of the things I love about you, John, is that you're not just a speaker, but you're a philosopher. You know, that's one of the things that I've, re- I've really appreciated about you and that hasn't probably had the most impact on me personally. I think I've told you that before. Uh, especially with your uh, the speech you did at Real Business Owners, that had a lot of impact on me. And so like, there's a lot of speakers out there, but the philosophers are pretty rare. And one of the things I've noticed about you is you consume information and you retain it so well. And so I wanted to go right into that, if you don't mind. Uh, start them out hot and heavy, I guess. And one of the things you talked about at the RBO Mastermind was if competition is what motivates you, then your motivation may be broken by divine authority. We have pulled cars from mountains. Who are we to have competition be our only motivation?
0: Yeah, man. Yeah, man. I appreciate that by the way. <laughs> hey, thanks for the great intro. And uh, to be honest with you, I never knew that I was a philosopher until one of my mentors told me that he literally told me, uh, uh, Keith Kraft is one of my, uh, one-on-one business coaches and mentors. Mm-hmm. I just had I actually had a uh, coaching call with him yesterday. And, um, he told me one day that I was a philosopher and, and he literally told me, he's like, you know, uh, he always has his assistant on the call as well, David. And, uh, you know, he's like, David, tell, tell John that I do not just tell everybody this. Right. And, you know, he kind of like picked picked that out of me. And, and literally I'm like, okay, well I'm going to look into what a philosopher is. And I actually <clears throat> began reading, uh, what a philosopher was. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that is me. I do mm-hmm. sit there and try to find like a deeper meaning in everything, and, um, you know, ultimately to take a step back, uh, uh, with your question about if competition is the only thing that motivates you, mm-hmm. it's really a weak source of motivation because it comes out of insecurity. It comes out of envy. Um, it, it comes out of lack, really a spirit of lack because it, it's, it's not a war against flesh and blood. It's not a war against your brothers and sisters out there. And even if you're winning, like you can win all day. Every day, without it being a war against another human being, what you do is you got to win against circumstances. Whatever your circumstance is, you were put here to overcome that circumstance. You don't have to make your primary motivation, you know, stomping on people, stepping on them on the way up the ladder, and then throwing down the ladder behind you so nobody else can climb it. I mean, if, if everybody just continues to do things that way, You know, it's, it's like, if if you're, if you're a small part of the problem, you're, you're part of the problem, right? Right. I mean, I want everybody to, to excel. I want everybody to have abundance. I want everybody to walk in their authority. I don't want to, uh, I don't want my success to come at the detriment of somebody else. And, you know, for me, it's not about taking a piece of the pie. It's about the pie getting bigger, expanding and growing and helping people. One of the things you'll notice about me, Doug, is that, uh, I mean, you know that I own the marketing savage and I'm friends with every single marketer that's in, in our, our groups and that we're associated with. Like I give them guys so much business mm-hmm. and we talk all the time and, and we've, we became friends. We've created synergy. We've created a, you know, if, if you will, more of like a, a syndicate with each other where we can help each other all, you know, rise higher rather than me coming into that situation, looking across the room, spotting a guy who could be potential competition with me and deciding that I was going to secretly create schemes to do anything to hurt this individual. And that low level of motivation um, puts you in a terrible place. Like you will end up uh, reaping what you sow like in day in and day out. And, and I've talked about this, that the whole reaping what you sow philosophy, it's not just what you do with your works. It's what you think your mind is literally like uh, soil. And every time you put a seed in that soil, you're going to get a return. So if all day long you're fueled by hate, by envy, by anger, you're just planting them seeds in that soil that are going to come back and you're going to have a hard time sleeping. You're going to have a hard time um, making, making new friends because most people speak with energy. They see your energy. They see through what you say. And because of that, you're going to secretly have this shady side about yourself that appears in, in conversations even when you try to hide it. And um, it, it really infect, affects your, your entire environment. And everywhere you go, you end up being an individual that, like, you're, you're not even going to know why people are just kind of, like, they don't want to be around you or why they find, like, you, you're just going to be, like, thinking, like, wow, I just stepped into that group of people talking and then everybody left. Like, how, how did that happen, right? Yeah. Why, why did that happen? And you're going to start thinking these things and, and, and you won't even know why. It's like uh, the people who do plan wicked schemes all the time, they don't even know why they stumble. It's like they're walking in the dark. And and um, you know it's it's people like me that got to shed light on the situation. You know they they said that if you want if you want to know if anything's really right or wrong, then shed light on it. Get out there and tell people. Yeah. Say hey man, yeah. you know uh, go go call your competition and tell them that you're you're doing these things to to destroy him specifically, and uh, go tell the world that you're doing that and see how the world reacts to it. And uh, I can guarantee you that there's enough people in the world that. You know, you're going to get one or two and you're going to find that the people that actually support you on that are going to be the exact type of people that you don't want to
1: be. 100%, man. All right. Well, we can wrap it up there. That was good. That's all we need today. I think you gave us enough <laughs> yeah. value in that
0: there's the, there's five the
1: minutes. Lesson. We're good. Yeah. No, yeah. but uh, just, to, just to piggyback on what you're saying, like we, you know, I'm in solar and, you know, Apex, uh, in Apex, solars become the new roofing, right? Everybody was a roofer when I joined, and now like, it seems like everybody's doing solar, right? And so when I, when I first joined, there was like seven or eight of us, and somebody had the idea, hey, let's create a solar chat. We can all bounce ideas off each other. Now we have an uh, Apex Solar call once a month. You know, I bring in speakers and stuff, and we're constantly trading value, constantly trading value. I mean, there's over 325 million people in the U.S. Even if right. we sold someone every minute, we wouldn't even cover 1% of the population. You know, what I'm saying so right. like there's it, it's easy to feel abundant with knowledge and information and um, things like that inside of our group because of that, that idea alone. Right. And, right. and you're 100 percent right. We had someone come into that, not come into that solar chat. We, we started out in the solar chat and immediately it was very like and even in chat, you know, you're talking about person to person. You can feel that energy. Even mm-hmm. in like a Facebook yeah. group chat, you can feel it too. And, he, and instead of giving the referral, he was like, well, message me, DM me. Everything had to yeah. happen behind closed doors so he can get his yeah. referral fee. you know. And mm-hmm. after a while, I just got tired of seeing that message me stuff in our chat. And I was just like, hey, guys, if you have an installer in another market and one of us wants to use him, that does not mean you get a referral fee. That means you just know the guy. Give us the yeah. guy, you know what I'm saying? Because we're going to go and find him anyways. Like, you're just collapsing time for us. That's what we're all doing for each other. Give us the guy and 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 uh, give value to the people in the group rather than trying to make money off of every little piece of information that you have. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's not that's not what's preached in Apex, and that's not what we're going to do in this group, you know? Yeah. And so I 100% believe in that. I mean, you know, that is the spirit of scarcity coming, coming to work, and... The truth of the matter is, is
0: that if you are in a spirit of scarcity, which which comes from fear, you know it's mm-hmm. fear of lack, fear of, you know, losing what you have. There's all these fears associated with that. You cannot be in a creative mindset when you're living in that fear. So you you can't really get in creative mode because you're always in reactive mode, and you're you're literally um, that fear causes a lot of people to be very unsuccessful because they can never really be innovative because they just go and try to kind of, because they can't be creative in that fearful mindset. So they copy what uh, their competitors are doing. And if you're anything like me, like I'm planning, you know, a year ahead of time, right? Mm -hmm. So if anybody copies what I'm doing today, that's fine. I'm okay with that. Let's do it. But, but if you copy what I'm doing today, you're literally my exhaust because I am a year ahead. We're working on things today. Today I'm living, well, you know, uh, from a year ago or two years ago, and so if you copy just what I'm doing today, you're always going to be behind by a year or so. So you can't be in that creative spirit. And um, but yeah, that's uh, that's that's exactly why you they just can't associate. It's almost like, you know, uh, fear and gratitude. They can't live in the same space either. If you're ever fearful about something, just get get some gratitude in your life, look around, yeah. you know, uh, be grateful for the roof over your head, be grateful for the, cor- the car that you're driving, be grateful that you have ears to hear this podcast, be grateful that you have eyes to see things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can always find something to be very grateful for. And fear just can't exist in
1: that environment.
0: Um, they just can't occupy the same space.
1: I love it. Uh, so much of what you're, you're talking about was me in my 20s. You know, and, and it's crazy because when I first started my business, it was creative mode for the first two or three years, and and turns out this is all I did, right? Yeah. And then what happened was like half of my sales force, or maybe like a quarter of my sales force got recruited away, and all of a sudden I did this, and that was to be expected. I lost a quarter of my sales force, right? But what happened is I stayed here because now I was in reactive mode. Now I was always defending, you know what I'm saying, versus creating, versus just focusing on you know beating the man in the mirror from the day before, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, yeah. uh, that really did level me out for a long time until yeah. I joined, you know, apex and then until I started executing on those strategies and everything. And then I, and then I got back into my creative mode. And ever since then it's been night and day, right?
0: That, that's it. I mean, and just imagine if that would have happened to you. And instead of going into a fearful Uh, reactive state, you would have went into an investigative state, meaning, okay, well, why did this happen? Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, what, what's the problem? Cause you know, people don't talk about this, but in business, we're always going to have correction. Yeah. meaning that you know you, you 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 hold your business down you do the things that you're doing you be innovative but you should expect correction to come at certain points meaning that some sort of market correction happens some sort of intercultural correction happens something changes outside of you that affects you and causes a correction in your business and that's just an indicator that you're you're lagging behind somewhere yeah so where is it that you're lagging behind how can you become the best at it and how can you begin innovating today to, become, to have a better tomorrow? So a lot of times, you know, we're always at a fork in the road when uh, correction happens. We're either going to go down the path where we stay the same or we even get worse or we even tumble and, and fall and everything just implodes, or we're going to take it as a sign that, man, you know, this is great. Like I, I get the opportunity now to fix whatever's going, you know, whatever's happening here mm-hmm. that made this happen. And, uh, you, you know, you, you just, there's always two ways to look at things. And I always look at correction as just a straight up opportunity. One hundred And um, yep. Yep.
1: So. And so when, when, when talking about that correction, you said you plan a year ahead. And yes. so what, what I like about that is uh, you're able to say, Hey, this is when I'm going to, to execute on my correction, right? I'm going to look at the year before yeah. and then I'm going to, I'm going to set up the year ahead and then I'm going to execute on it. You know, for us, and, and I'm sure you do this as well, it's quarterly for us, right? So we, sure. you know, we do have our year, our year look that we're, we're, we're constantly working towards. But we also, quarterly, we're looking back at the quarter and saying, okay, what can we do better? You know what I mean? Sure. And, then, and then correcting and then executing on the, on the next quarter. And those are some of my favorites because you have to schedule it. If you don't schedule that correction... Then you're never going to do it. You're just going to keep reacting day to day. You know what I mean. And that's one of the biggest changes I've had in my business. Is quarterly we correct things, we reevaluate, and then we we fine tune things so that we can move forward and grow. Right. So right. I kind of want to pivot in in the conversation and and talk a little bit about where you're from and what your you know childhood was like because obviously so much of that shapes us in the future. And sure. then you know I've. I've heard of, one of my favorite things about you is you get you get two Johns, right? You get yeah. like you're just a, a fun guy and love to crack up. You know what I mean? But every now and then you hear something and you're like like you're on it and then you turn into the the philosopher. You know what I'm saying? I said you can only it, it's either one direction or the other. We're either having a lot of fun or we're having a very deep conversation. It's very impactful conversation. So going back to kind of like where it all started for you.
0: Yeah, so I grew up uh, outside of Dayton, Ohio, and um, you know I I grew up. I was abandoned by my mother at birth, and my father was in prison when I was born. So my mother was only uh, 16 years old when when she actually had me, and um, so I ended up um, basically being adopted by my grandparents, who now I call my mother and my father. Uh, And you know she was very young at that time, but I didn't realize that later on in life that this was actually through my entire life this was going to cause something. Uh, that, that I just had no idea that I, was been, that I was even dealing with at the time. And I had these abandonment issues. Mm-hmm. And um, there's something about when you're very young and you're, you know, you're not with your parents. And especially when my mother had left me, I, I think she was with me for about six months. And then, uh, and, and I actually can read it in my baby book, the letter that she actually wrote me when she had to leave. And um, so when she left me, that caused a lot of abandonment issues. I, I think I was even told by my grandmother um, that I used to just as a, even as a little baby, I would just crawl and fall. Like I wouldn't let her out of my sight, you know, because I was like, I lost right. this one. I'm not losing you, you know? Right. And um, she said that I would crawl as a little baby to the door and just scream and cry when she was using the restroom, you know, like, like just that she was out of my sight for just that moment of time. Um, I was very fearful. And, and I later found out that that was also as a, as a, we inherently know as children that, if we're left in the wild without parents, we're dead. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. as human beings, we need parents for a certain amount of time to help us grow up and to help us live. And there's this inherent thing inside of us that when, when we get abandoned by a parent, that we're going to die. And uh, so I'm here chasing my grandmother around, not trying to let her out of my sight. And, and that caused like just a bunch of behavioral issues later on. Um, it, it caused a bunch of issues where I would want to leave people before they left me. So I didn't want to give anybody an opportunity to leave me, meaning that if you slighted me just a little bit or, you know, um, uh, I would just I would just walk out on you. I would forget about you, walk out on you and be done with you because I wasn't going to give you an opportunity to hurt me as bad as I'd been hurt in the past. And I didn't really know that this was part of my identity from this issue. I mean, I literally got into my 30s before I figured this out. And this is yeah, this is after dealing with my wife in such a way where anytime we got in an argument i'm out the door like i just bolted out i was gone hopped in my car left went to the bar did whatever i was gonna do like i literally just and it it honestly caused me to have this awareness where i would never want to love people more or more than they love me so you know how much you love me determined that i'm gonna love you a little less because I'm going to make sure that you're disposable because I'm never going to let you walk out on me. I'm never going to let you hurt me again. And so I, I grew up with um, behavioral problems. I grew up with problems where I was chasing women because I was trying to get validation from women that, not, that I didn't have. And, and again, that stems back from being abandoned by my mother. Like I, I was left unvalidated. And, and I could still remember times when I was a child where I would just wait for her. Like they would tell me that she was coming, you know, to see me. And she would never show up. And I I could just remember being like, I I even skipped school when I was in kindergarten because they told me my mom was coming that night. And uh, I was in kindergarten at the time. And I tried to hide out in our garage. And I got caught, of course. And it was all because I was so excited to see her. And, of course, she never came. Mm -hmm. And um, so it just became like layer after layer after layer of these abandonment issues where finally I grew this this hard heart where – I wouldn't like love anybody more than they could love me. And, and I truly believe that it's, it's still going to be part of you for a long time. I mean, there's going to be times when you revert back to the old you, but now I'm aware. Now I can discern. Now I can actually say, okay, I'm being this way because of this issue and I can correct it really quickly. And I've gotten really good at correcting that, but I don't think that pain leaves you because even me just talking about it, I, I can just feel, you know, myself wanting to, to cry. You know what I mean about yeah. it? I can like really feel the pain in my heart just by talking about it. Um, I've just grown to the point now where I'm so self-aware of my feelings that I can discern, properly discern whether or not they're coming from a bad place or a good place or whether they're serving me or whether they're not. And I can actually only allow the feelings to impact my actions that serve me, you know. So this is one of the importance about becoming very self-aware. So it took me like 30 years. And I went through all kinds of things where, you know, uh, I like to say when my early age, I was a street pharmacist, right. uh, which is uh, where I learned business in, yeah. in all regards. But then I found out you really don't have to be a salesman to sell drugs. You just got to have really good drugs yeah. and they'll sell themselves. And uh, so later on, you know, later on, I'm trying to sell real things. And I'm like, hey, man, you want some of this stuff? <laughs> Dude, are you just going to sell this to me? Or are you trying to sell me like a bag of weed or something? Right. right? And uh, your voice so, gets real low. <laughs> Yeah, You'd whisper like, and, like we used to sell this automotive product that you coated cars with, and I'd walk into be like, Hey, dude, y'all want some of this, man this stuff is some good stuff. You they know? start looking around, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so you know little by little, I figured all that out, and um ended up opening my first business uh, uh in two thousand and three, mm-hmm. and I actually uh, went out with my family. I've always been an entrepreneur, not only did I you know was a street entrepreneur. But I also sold stereo equipment when I was a kid. Um, I would even put up flyers around school. Uh, my my adopted father, my grandfather, had a very small car dealership where we would get these magazines in the mail, and he was getting wholesale rates on you know products and stereo equipment. And I would go through the master you know books and I would put my twenty percent markup on everything. Probably could have gotten more, but at that time it was like you know if I sold something for you know a hundred bucks, I was trying to make. 30 bucks or 20 bucks,
1: right? Right. Was that a natural thing that you recognized about yourself? You just saw those opportunities? Or was that something yeah. that your grandfather you know, kind of like, hey, it's, check it's this so out? It's so
0: interesting because they they called me, like when I was a kid, they called me John the Con. And the reason why, <laughs> the reason why is I had a way to con my parents out of money, right? Mm-hmm. And everybody's seen it you know? So I had this way of like, you know, convincing them to buy me things. And I knew the right times when, you know, my grandfather, he liked to drink and he was a fun drinker. Like he wasn't like me. Like I, I can't drink at all. Cause I'm not a fun drinker. I, you know, I go, I just keep getting worse, but he was a fun drinker. I mean, he had this, this was the only place Doug, like I literally, his garage in the back of my house, where we live this little town, this little street, this, this, uh, in this house. And it was the only place I'd ever seen multimillionaires the all the town millionaires would come there and hang out and all the town bums and everybody in between. I mean, it was the only time I've ever seen a melting pot of somebody who literally was homeless uh, sitting there sanding cars for my, my dad mm-hmm, or buffing mm-hmm. cars or detailing cars just to drink beer and eat food. You know, he, he always had his doors open for that. So anytime, you know, the, anybody around town knew that if they, you know, they, they were the town misfits and they needed right. a little bit of work they could come out to, you know, Hiley's garage and they could buff and polish cars and they get all the beer they wanted to drink and they'd have all the food they wanted to eat. And uh, so that was the way that he, the way that he did things. And then all of a sudden, you know, old Paul Poling would walk in multimillionaire who opened up more car dealerships than, than uh, anybody I know, like he literally funded probably 50 car dealers that came in, became into big brands. And, um, and then Bill Poling who owned uh, wrecking yard that was literally, Doug, I'm not kidding you. He was doing a hundred thousand dollars a day in profit, uh, just um, taking cars and scrapping the metal. And he, he, he had semis just going all day long from this massive wrecking yard. And so, you know, I'd had guys like this walking in that were in my life that were mentoring me and I was learning from. Mm-hmm. And then I had guys in there that were like the town bums and everybody in between. I mean, even even my uh, my dad took a guy who was like one of the biggest town bums that there was. His name was Red Reader, and I don't he's not even alive now. But uh, you know, and he literally had no place to live, anything like that. And he made him his car salesman, his lead car salesman, and he lived at the car dealership. He had a uh, little camper outside the car dealership, mm-hmm. and he literally lived there. And you know, that's my dad was known for. Uh, my grandfather, who I, who I call my father, was known sure. for just. He would take a shirt off his back for anybody. And he never judged anybody. So some of these guys could have been the biggest town misfits. The other guys could have been there's preachers coming in there. I mean, it was just a mix of everybody. I've never seen anything like it in my life. And I had the opportunity to grow up in this environment, but I would know when my my dad was had a little too much to drink. And I would go and I would, um, I, I would, you know, get, I talked him into buying a parakeet for me. I talked him <laughs> into buying a wiener dog for me. I talked him into like a, buying a skateboard, like all these things. So people started calling me John the Con. But I, back then I was just realizing, uh, you know, when to act. and, yeah. and, and Timing. And, and, timing and was timing everything. And all these things, right? Yeah. So which later on, uh, you know, uh, I grew up and opened up my first business and went out and traveled to Southern California. And we opened up an automotive company, which uh, ended up uh, becoming a, later on becoming a franchise. Make a long story short, ended up becoming a franchise. And then later on, ended up uh, becoming a, a, a catalyst for an educational company that I opened, which later on became a catalyst for a marketing service, software, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, and uh, also events, marketing events, uh, empire that we ended up putting together in this industry where we ended up like taking over you know the entire the entire industry uh with it mm-hmm. and then about that time my company we ended up uh, and you guys can probably relate to this i know you you'd probably don't you probably do swap out a lot of solar panels when you get hailstorms and stuff like that right well the, the how my service-based company blew up is that locally like i was literally a one-man band you know for the longest time And so i think 2006 i was a one-man band mm-hmm. and uh that was my first three years in business and then all of a sudden one day my phone just started ringing off the hook And it ended up having a hailstorm locally in in the Dayton area Mm. that ended up hitting about 100,000 cars. And from that moment on, I had multiple body shops. We ended up renting out an actual factory. And we, we, we leased a factory the size of a football field to fill all the cars that we had in it. Wow. And I happened to be already popular in the industry because I was doing education. I was already out there on some of the social media channels. You had already built
1: already, your machine. and when uh, the Yeah. I had happened. already
0: built my machine back then, the type of machine you had to build back
1: then. Right.
0: So I was able to staff that storm and between me and another guy, we put the whole deal together and we ended up doing over $15 million in, in damage that year. It's amazing. And, and then it just continued uh, to grow from there. So uh, we ended up growing with locations. We ended up growing in that catastrophic hail space where we would travel and, you know, mainly service, you know, our portion of the country. Mm -hmm. But um, that just continued to to grow into what it did. And then, uh, you know, I kind of just like anything else, I got tired. I ended up selling it and uh, ended up opening up a tool manufacturing company during that time as well, which I still own. And you talked about earlier, I got a licensing deal on that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and now we went full into marketing because I was the marketer of, of all of our businesses, you know, everything from, you know, manufacturing from, um, uh, we, you know, we've been in manufacturing, we've been in retail, we've been in online space, we've been in software, mm-hmm. you know, we, we've, we've been in a little bit of everything. And, uh, because of that, I got a very, you know, um, uh, insider look in multiple different industries on how to scale and how to grow them quick. So essentially we got, we got a template. We got a formula that we use for every other business that we have, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, and I, at some point I just got tired of being in that industry and I, I got out of it and moved on. And, uh, and now we're blowing up, uh, the marketing company to to what it's becoming and what it is today.
1: So that, that formula, is that something that you kind of keep close to the chest or is that something you can share? I mean,
0: yeah, it's a little bit different for every industry, but maybe like at a a high level. Well, you know, ultimately it's about really doing anything you can possibly do to gain momentum, like literally doing tons of market research Mm -hmm. and just not stopping until you gain momentum. And then after that, you got to have a strategy to maintain the momentum. Right. And I mean, ultimately, at the beginning of any business, it takes a certain amount of testing. And you've got to get out there. You've got to do market research, cross-market research. You've got to find out what's already working out there. You've got to be able to put your creative spin on it so you stand out. Because mm-hmm. if you just follow what's already working out there, you've got people that already got lead market advantage. Right. So you, you that's where we start crossing into other industries and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And kind of finding out uh, what, what's working in other industries and kind of marrying them with what's working in the current industry and blending that with our, you know, ideas that we have that have worked in the past. And you can uh, ultimately create a long-term lead generation system that will just never stop. Mm. You know, the the things that I look at in a lead generation system and and ultimately that's the lifeblood of the business, right? I mean, this is a sales podcast. Good lead generation and, and conversion is the lifeblood of the business. So if anybody out here who owns a business and you're sitting here thinking about how you're going to fix fulfillment and stuff like that, like, but you haven't dialed in like how you're going to get leads nonstop, then you need to literally dial that in first, because that's going to be the lifeblood. That's going to give you the confidence to hire people to take care of the fulfillment, to Mm -hmm. hire people to take uh, care of the leads, the sales staff that you need to hire. The only way that confidence is built is by going after and creating a machine to continuously build and send you leads, and you need to get obsessed with that at the, at the beginning of any business. And, you, you know, there's a lot of data depending on different industries. I mean, a lot of it does have similarities and, and mm-hmm. it's very common. You know, we, we look at things like how does it look on YouTube? Because YouTube is planting a seed today to make that thing grow three months from now or a year from now or two right. years from now. Right. So I'm, I'm looking at the long term and I'm looking at the short term. I'm also looking at market positioning. You know, how do we look when a client uh, finds us? You know, because the, the market positioning is key because that's what's actually going to uh, tick up your conversion rate. Mm-hmm. Because I I have people tell me all the time they're like, dude, I get somebody you know a thousand leads. I'm like, well, why would you want a thousand leads, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, look, I do want a thousand leads if they got a high conversion rate, right? Of course I do, but I don't want a thousand cold leads that have a real crappy conversion rate because now you're burn just me wasting, out. You're just wasting my time.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. So I I try to figure out, number one, like, how do we move into a market? How do we position ourselves as the authority in the market? Mm -hmm. How do we do that from multiple different angles? They call me the marketing savage because I look at things from all these different angles. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at, like, how can we do it through YouTube? How can we do it locally? How can we position ourselves, you know, uh, as an authority, like with a podcast, like you're doing today? You know, how does all of this look in the grand scheme of things, you know, six months from now, a year from now? Because I'm not afraid to lose money for the first year. You know, I'm not afraid to lose money for the first year in in a business. I'll gain a portion of that money back, but you know, there's something that a lot of business owners need to realize is that most big businesses are built on the back end of that business. One hundred percent. So if if I get a business where I can break even on conversions, meaning I can pay my sales staff, I can pay my uh, employees, I can you know fulfill. Uh, I pay my fulfillment cost, all of that stuff. If I break even now, I've got a, I've got a, you know, a, a business as big as I want. I've got a 10 million, $20 million business mm-hmm. as big as I want to grow it because I've got the cost covered and I can make all my money on the back end with the repeat clients and the lifetime value of the customer, you know? So, so I'm looking at all that stuff. Like, what is a, what does a lifetime value look like? How do we increase that lifetime value? How do we increase the conversion rate? I'm looking at that stuff all the time. How do we increase the traffic count coming in? What sources are coming in? These are things that we mind map out and we lay out, and we go out there and we do it. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. the key is to get out there, put a strategy together, and just do it. Because you're going to learn more than sitting around and thinking about what you're going to do. Right. Um, uh, Having meeting after overthinking the whole business. You know, having meeting after meeting after meeting. No, it's so easy nowadays to figure out how people are getting their leads. Mm -hmm. And it's so easy to even create something that's better because, uh, look, a below average person can take like look at a competitor, right? Uh, Or somebody in their industry and say, wow, that's working. I can do that exactly the same, right? So now, but you don't have lead market advantage. Again, you're their exhaust, right? Because these people are crafting ideas. that are a year ahead of you. A good marketer can look at that and say, wow, that's pretty cool that that's working for him." you know? And you can go look at other industries. You can take your past experience and you can put something together that's a unique identity for you. Yes, you need to do market research. Yes, you need to figure out what is working. Yes, you need to figure out where your audience is, how they're converting them. You need to know all this stuff, but you need to become, be at the point where you can take it and you can make that system and you can shape it and make it even better. See, I, I look for industries like that. I look for industries that I look at it and I'm just like, you know, these guys are doing things like 10 years behind. You know, they're, they're mm-hmm. five, 10 years behind because if they're five and 10 years behind, we can take what, what, what is working there and we can bring it up to speed, bring it up to today's technology. Right. And we can just take it all to the next level.
1: Percent one one of the things that I like that you said is, you know, that sometimes you need you need to look at the leads coming in, and it may just be a matter of increasing those leads coming in. But what what I like about that is is too many businesses, they don't have enough data, right? Yeah. So, I I, I love data. That's kind of how I actually started out in marketing. Right, I I did. Uh, full-page newspaper campaign, campaigns for uh, collectible gold sales, and we would, we would run the remnant ads. I, f- I forgot what they're called, standby ads, right? So basically, yeah. if they couldn't fill the space, they would run our ad. And it would be full-page USA Today, full-page you know, Hon- Honolulu Express, you know. And uh, it was collectible gold sales. But it- anyways, when I came into the business, I had a huge advantage because I had seven years of data, From where to advertise, when to advertise, where the moon was in the sky at the time that they placed that ad. You know what I mean? And so I went crazy on data for the longest time. And that was one of the foundations that I used going forward in my business. I was able to look at, you know, recruiting is big in my business, right? So I was able to see, okay, we have all this recruiting data. You know, and whenever we place ads here, we get this kind of recruit and they convert this way. And, you know, this is how many sales they get on average before they turn out, if they turn out and then this is how many leaders I create from this group, from this ad. You know what I'm saying? And so too many too many businesses aren't putting enough money into the front end so they can have yep. the, the 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 data to optimize the back end. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that, that when that lead comes in and it passes all the way through, you've calculated how it would pass through, and you built your business according to that. You know? Yeah. And so uh, I really do love what you said about that. And then also... You were talking about YouTube earlier and um, at our last uh, RBO mastermind, we had the what's inside guy, you know, and I always forget his name. I know he's the what's inside guy from YouTube. Right. And he talked about YouTube shorts. So kind of uh, capitalizing on different social media platforms, initiatives that they're putting together, finding out what those initiatives are and then attacking them because they're giving more, more um, eyes to yep. that, right? And one of them right now is YouTube Shorts. Do you know any other ones that are out there in the marketplace that uh, we can use to get leads?
0: Yeah, so I'm actually in the process right now. I, I've avoided TikTok for the longest time. Mm-hmm. And I hired one of the the world's best like TikTok experts. And um, I'm, I'm now, we're, we're really getting to the point where we're extracting some data and understanding you know, what it's about and, mm-hmm. and, and how to do it. But yes, you do gotta work the algorithms um, there are certain times a day that you should be posting on all of these platforms. Mm-hmm. There are, um, you know, so you, you literally got a posting window. The second thing is, is that you get what you got to understand about shorts and what you got to understand about TikTok videos and is what we are really honing in right now as a company, as a whole, is that you, the watch time on them are very important. So you got to have a good hook. You got to have a good hook. And then you've got a you've got to segue into a problem. And then you've got to go into a solution. So that's how people are actually retaining the viewer for a certain amount of time. So what happens is on the shorts, not only do you got to focus on the exact time, the exact hashtags, because you got to put the hashtags in there. Um, YouTube's going to deal a lot with your channel, Um, you know, just the audience that follows your specific channel. Uh, We hashtag YouTube as well. I don't know how effective the hashtags are on YouTube compared Mm to um, uh, TikTok, But the hashtags on TikTok are huge because that actually gives TikTok data to who they're going to serve your audience to. And a lot of times that data, TikTok, they work really well in a broad audience. Um, I actually had a meeting with, uh, I got a hold of a TikTok employee Mm -hmm. and uh, had him come on board with our company and work with us on, you know, the back end advertisements of TikTok. Yep. And I uh, can't really tell you his name, but um, <laughs> he's been working with us and showing us. Uh, and I was very surprised because we actually went through on TikTok went through there. They've got um, like a back end, just like Facebook business, mm-hmm. but it's TikTok's business version. Uh, it's like an advertisement. It doesn't have the data or the analytics, but it is simplified compared to Facebook, right? Yeah. So
1: Facebook can get very advanced. This is very simple at this point, it's, right? Is this, I'm, I'm curious now for myself, is this something that anybody can access? Yeah. Yeah. You okay. got to apply, you got to apply a bunch
0: of things through there and they got to verify your business and stuff okay. like that. We're still having problems. TikTok even has a marketplace where you can pay influencers to advertise for you. Nice. Uh, meaning that you can, uh, you can basically give them a thousand bucks or something and then mm-hmm. we can share it to their audience and things like that. Right. Yeah. So, um, they got a marketplace for that as well, but we're having problems. We got it. We got it, basically got our business verified on the front end of the advertisement. Mm-hmm. And now we're they keep denying us on this marketplace. It normally takes two weeks. But long story short, my guy in TikTok is working on it now. We put in a ticket again yesterday nice, and he's nice. trying to escalate the ticket and figure it out. So, marketing, anyhow, I'm working with an insider, ESPN right? And I'm, yeah, I'm working with an insider in there. <laughs> Look, hey, man, I'm a believer. Like, I find somebody, you know, I'll pay him to teach me. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm just, that collapses time. Like, I wouldn't know the things I know about TikTok now. And, and we're just getting into it. Like I said, I decided I was going to go in on it maybe uh, about a month ago. So, now we're receiving the data to understand, you know, how it all works. And uh, we went ahead and jumped in there and ran some ads. But the, the big thing that I, when I was on there with this uh, this guy who worked for TikTok is they really want you to run to a big, big audience because TikTok is going to get in there and their AI is going to take over and it's eventually going to dial in the audience, but you've got to run to a big audience. I mean, like, you know, billions of people, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you're, you're going to want to run. Like I was literally putting audience in like 20, 30 million. He's like, oh, that's not enough. Oh, that's not, wow. they're not going to figure out your algorithm with that. No, that's not enough. And we scaled it up and, uh, and it works better with bigger audiences because that Uh AI kicks in. Facebook is a lot like that now too. It used to be, you would uh, really taper in your audience, and really try to target them. Now with the AI features and stuff like that, you want a bigger, broader audience to give Facebook's AI, the ability to actually search that audience and to pull out the people that fit with your product or service. Mm -hmm. So, That being said, um, the the it's uh, it's it's not only about creating the right content because we're right now we're in the content development phase of all this, Mm -hmm. you know because you you got retention time the longer you can retain that viewer if you can get them to give them a reason to to like your channel to follow to follow you or even look at it or to rewatch it again like all of this stuff goes into the algorithm so you got to be kind of clever with your videos. In such a way where again you bring them in with the hook you got three seconds to bring them in or they're going to be swiping up right right so in three seconds you got to hit them with some sort of hook that causes them to stay and from there a lot of times if you do a problem and a solution they've got to wait to hear the solution and if you can uh you know dial that in in such a way where it's very intriguing for an audience uh, you do that now. But here's the here's the trick with TikTok, and I believe that it's going to be very popular with YouTube as well. When you find something that hits and you find something that takes off, because what happens is from my understanding, and I got these two experts from TikTok that I'm working with right now, mm-hmm. one of them is also an expert in YouTube, and I'm um, I'm getting this, you know, up-to-date data between these guys. And from my understanding, is you just continue posting at these specific times of day. So and you're gonna get little engagement, you're gonna be changing your content. And you just keep doing it. You just keep being consistent. Post three to six times a day on TikTok. Be consistent. Only post in the hours that you should be posting on TikTok. Mm -hmm. And believe it or not, you want to be posting in the hours where your audience is is less likely to be there. Because TikTok is going to serve it to more people outside of your audience.
1: Okay, that makes sense.
0: All these weird things that that you learn about these platforms, right? You know? And, and ultimately uh, it's about creating content that people love that hooks them in, that causes the retention time to stay. And when something hits, you continue to do that over and over again. Mm -hmm. So again, you go back to testing and and I'm looking at what's happening, not only in my industry, but I'm looking at what's happening in all these different industries. And I'm trying to put something together where, you know, I'm the marketing savage, right? right? So I'm literally thinking about ideas right now with running shorts and TikToks and reels, where it starts out with this savage scene of like a lion, like, you know, Attacking a bear or something, right? Yeah. And, you know, yeah, sucks them. Them in. And then, yep, you know what I mean? And then finding out ways to hook that into what it is that I do without them leaving at that point because all of a sudden now it's a little yeah. spammy and advertising, right? Yeah, of course. So you, you almost got to set it up in such a way where they figure out who it is and what it is that you do. Mm-hmm. You hit your audience, but you bring them in in such a way where it's very impactful at the beginning and they stay so that that my friends it's just it's a formula that you've got to internally create and you've got to experiment with and it's worth it because i guarantee you within the next within the next 30 days we'll, we'll we'll hit it big on one of them platforms
1: nice yeah i you know i was i was taking notes as you said it and it's you know i try not to take notes during podcasts but i need you're giving me ideas literally as we go and i'm like i've got to write this down and then and then also obviously I wanna be able to to share some shorts on TikTok yeah. of of uh these conversations and, and reference my my editors to well, to and, and to and those parts thing, in the conversation.
0: Another thing that adds to your post time, Doug, is when is your audience gonna be on? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So you do have to step into that psychology, like at what times are your audience gonna be on? Mm-hmm. Uh, because you know, if you're advertising to college kids, for instance, right, like you know, people that go to college, yeah. you're not going to advertise them 9 a.m. in the morning on Saturday. Uh, when they've all been they're drunk <laughs> from the night before, probably, and laying on the floor, <laughs> the <front laughs> house. You know, you're not going to want to advertise to them that, yeah. at that exact time. So you gotta, you know, you gotta use your brain a little bit. Yeah, you gotta understand your audience, understand your clients, understand what's hooking them. And create something cool. What I love about this, Doug, is that it brings the creative mind out of you. Like, I love this part of the business. Mm-hmm. Like, you get to have fun with it. Your employees get to have fun with it. To yeah. neglect this part and just stick with all the boring stuff is just uh, neglecting something that can really bring people together in, in your company and really
1: put together a culture of people that just want to be a part of something bigger. And they innovate, too, because of that. Yeah. Now, it, it it definitely convicted me, because my my TikTok right now is just just another place we post a similar you know we create reels and then we we post them on TikTok obviously we we change them up a little bit for TikTok mm. but we're we're not doing great you know what i mean it's just yeah. it's just so it's there you know so people can can go to my TikTok and say oh he's got content he's legit right. you know what i'm saying and then that and that's how i started out i wasn't too worried about it but now that i think about it now that you're saying you need that hook in the first 3 seconds i'm like well a lot okay. of my my content on there are clips of uh right. podcasts like this, you know. And so why don't instead of I just put it put out the clip there and it's just that person talking, you know what I mean? And and maybe some hashtags and stuff like that, why don't I introduce the concept they're talking about in that first three seconds, like, hey, check this out. You know, Hiley's talking about how you can arbitrage TikTok. Listen right. to this. And yep. then they go. You know what I'm saying? Because if they're on my page and if they're seeing my content, they came for me, you know, and I'm not giving them me. I'm giving them somebody else right away instead of at least introing this person, you know, and giving them the authority to to speak on on my medium. So that was uh, a a great piece that I wanted to point out and make sure and, and everything that John's talking about, guys, this is all legion. Everything yeah. he's talking about, you can turn this into lead it's, gen. It's
0: income revenue. It's, it's revenue generating activity is what it is.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I, I, I like to, you know, you can call it lead gen, but I like to call it income, you know, or income generating activity, mm-hmm. meaning you're generating revenue while you're doing something. Right. And, you know, ultimately uh, you, you, you've got to be respective to any platform, for instance, that's why podcasts and believe me, we all do it. I got podcasts I put up on my YouTube channel and yeah. stuff like that. Believe yeah. me, I do, but I know better. I actually
1: know better. <laughs> you know what I, mean? I
0: just do it because I'm, you know, hoping a certain amount of people see it. Right.
1: Whatever. Right. Well, it's, it's, but- it's just being omnipresent you know what yep. I mean? Like you're you're it's everywhere.
0: Perspective to the platform, unless right. you're Joe Rogan or somebody like that. Exactly. Perspective to the platform, YouTube has their own format. Just go watch it. Go find a popular YouTuber and watch their videos. A lot of times they're sitting there in a certain scene and they're just intimately talking into the camera about you know what they're getting ready to do for the YouTube viewer. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and then it'll move on to another scene and maybe another scene and then it'll come back to an explan, you know, an explanation that's what that's as you're saying
1: it I'm saying. like yes the ones
0: that I watch that's what yeah, they do <laughs> that's what being respective to the platform is I mean you, you really it's it's bigger than just uh, you know what do I do overall right because some people mm-hmm. just got this idea that I can do one piece of content cut it into a hundred different pieces put it everywhere and that's going to work well at the mm-hmm. end of the day I guess it's better than nothing right but anything's better than nothing but to really fire something up and to go to the next level, is being very respective to the platform, understanding Mm -hmm. what the users of that platform like, what they want to consume Mm -hmm. and and dialing in. I mean, shoot, we um, give your audience a super secret thing right here. Install TubeBuddy on your YouTube account. So TubeBuddy is a software that blends with your YouTube channel with Google Chrome application and you will have all the data that you've ever wanted. You'll explore how many views Uh, any other channels are getting. You can explore um, uh, split test uh, actual um, thumbnails through TubeBuddy. They'll declare the winner for you and leave it on there. Uh, You'll be able to collect all of the data that you need on um, just uh, the the title of your video. Mm -hmm. So you Mm -hmm. can go in and type in different titles of different videos and TubeBuddy will give you the amount of searches that are done for that specific title. Like, for example, if, we, if I was to do a video about, you know, uh, how to do TikTok mm-hmm. or how, how, to, how to advertise on TikTok or something to that nature, mm-hmm. it would get a considerably lower amount of uh, of searches compared to how to advertise on TikTok uh, 2022. Just by tacking on that 2022, because everybody knows who's searching for an advertisement that they don't want last years, They don't want a video from 2018, 2019, right? Right. They want a video from 2022 because they know the platforms always change, right? So there's little things like that that you actually dial in when you start getting this data and you use these little helpers like TubeBuddy that's just a Chrome extension. And, And I do pay for it. So I do a pro plan. I think it's only like 20 bucks a month or something like that. right? But it gives me all the data that I need to make the right decision to give my videos a much better chance
1: of being seen. There's a there's a consistent theme here of everything you're talking about and it. And and to me, it's great marketing. Savage marketing is born in data. You know, that's what I'm hearing over and over and over again. I love that because I believe in that so much. So it it makes a lot of sense to me. All right. It is, man. Yeah, it is. So so I want to pivot one more time here and it kind of gets back into the philosophy piece. But, you know, it's more personal. And this is a question I've been asking a lot lately. Because it's it's very it's a very interesting subject to me, and I I modify my own a little bit each time. Out of everybody that you know, I talk to, I add a little piece or I take away a little piece because they convict me on things or whatever the case is. But uh, it's about legacy, you know. And the, and the question is, what does your legacy or what does legacy mean to you? For
0: me, what does legacy mean? Hmm. You know, ultimately, man, you know, I, you know, I'm going to be straight up with you, man. I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a born again, Christian, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. And um, for me, ultimately, at the end of the day, I am trying to, you know, teach people what I believe to be the truth. Mm-hmm. And to me, when, see, when you, when you subscribe to being a Christian, you basically subscribe to the idea that you never die, meaning that we, we live forever and that when when this physical human body dies, that you go on into heaven and you you live eternity in heaven, right so we, we subscribe to that as a belief. and because of that, I don't really put a lot of value because in the Bible it says that um, the things you see are are not heavenly things, meaning that the physical things that you see on this earth, uh, the thing behind me, the uh, my desk, mm-hmm. my, the car out here, my, my house that I'm in, at one point, this is all going to be bulldozed or burned down or lost or decayed. At one point, all of this stuff is going to be gone, and that's why it's not the things of heaven, right? So the things of heaven are the things that you can't see, and that means that's that's the virtues that we have to develop inside of our heart. That's like courage. That's temperance. That's being an individual, um, who is, who people can really look at and say, man, I want, I want to be like this person. Like I want to, uh, you know, whatever, whatever this person has, like, I want this. Right. And a lot of that to me, like my legacy is, is not so much like I don't really spend too much time thinking about my name living generation after generation after generation because I believe that one day this world is just going to be gone, you know. Mm. My legacy is like what do, what am I doing for people now that can change their lives and then they can change other people's lives. And then the other people, it's called, a, we call that the past, the torch principle, meaning that um, in in Christianity and many other religions, they talk about shining your light. And what that means is, is just what I told you here. It means showing people that you're, you're a man of your word, that you're an individual that has integrity, that you're uh, an individual that, um, you know, ha- has temperance, that you're disciplined. All of these great things and great qualities that come from the spirit side of yourself.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And actually teaching and showing people and displaying that that is the true, that is the good way to live. And if they, if, if they can see my light, and even if their torch is just barely flickering, you know, you got people, man, when you shine your light and you're out there, and I'm not ta- talking about bragging, being boastful. I'm just talking about going out there and living a life of virtue. And, you, you, you know, if there's some people, they're going to see your torch just blazing. They're going to see, you know, when you start living a life of virtue, your spirit becomes bigger than yourself. People will feel you when you walk in the room. You'll set the temperature for the room. And when you walk in, the te- people will just have to rise to that temperature, you know, you become bigger than who you are. And because of that, you're shining your light and people see that. And you might have people that just have a little tiny flickering light, right? They just barely, their torch is just barely flickering, man. They're barely holding on. Mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. get the opportunity to walk up and touch your light. And, and, and they can explode their torch with fire and they get to go touch other people and touch other people. So my, my name isn't really my important part of my legacy, but like who I am through people is more important to me. You know, because I, I believe that, that that is how we change the world. Look, you can only change the world. Everything outside of nature, it was built in the thought of man. You know, again, the, the cars, the desk, the house, all this stuff. First was a thought. Like, it was a thought. We had a thought, and we said, you know, hey, this chair looks great, and it serves a purpose in the world because I don't have to sit on the ground anymore. Right. So I'm going to build this chair. Well, guess what was also created in the thought of man? Wars, poverty. You know, all of these terrible things that we have in humanity that people have got to deal with, you know, are also created in the thoughts of man first. So, the only way to change the, the direction that we're going in this world is to change the thoughts of man. And the only way to do that is begin living the life like we're all part of that. Like, like we all are contributors by living our life in a certain way, by changing the way we are, changing who we are. We are contributors of changing the whole. So, like, just by focusing on being the best we can be for God or whoever it is, man, whoever that is in your life, by focusing on who we can be the best we can be and showing people that we're we're effectively, we're changing the world. And I want my legacy to be more about that than, you know, specifically my name or anything like that.
1: I got to tell you, John, you're you're living that, you know, because you've done that for me. You've exploded my torch before. And I see you do it when we are in the same rooms together. And when you walk in, 100% that is happening. So keep doing what you're doing, brother. And uh, it's been an honor to have you on this podcast. I mean, ending that way is, is too right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, if, people, if people want to reach out, they want a word, they need marketing. You know what I mean? Um, any of that stuff. Uh, where do they reach out to you at?
0: Uh, you can either head on over to marketingsavage.com or you can also join our community on Facebook, Marketing Savage, the Facebook group.
1: 100%, brother. We'll include those those links in here. Wanted to thank you so much again for coming on to the show. It's been uh, it's been an amazing honor. Thank you. All right, brother. I appreciate you, Doug. Let's get building.
0: Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Building Great Sales Teams. Be sure to appreciate it. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you consume podcasts. This way you'll get notifications as new episodes become available. Remember, great sales teams are not recruited. They are built block by block. Until next time.